This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. Part of the USCfootball.com family. We got Chris Trevino here in studio right over there. I am Ryan Abraham. We are the hosts of the Parastel Podcast. It's a Wednesday. We're going to talk about the transfer portal, lots of stuff going on there. Spring football's done. The NFL draft is done. So we'll get to all of that around USC football. If you're listening on the Parastel Podcast feed, thank you very much. And if you're watching us on YouTube for our simulcast, we appreciate that as well. You can see our faces. I wouldn't say, you could say lovely faces, but I wouldn't say that. Uh, you can see us. Uh, you can see Chris. You can't see his tattoo because it's on his leg, but we're going to talk about that too because we did that live on Tunnel Vision. Uh, that people have been asking, this is not a live broadcast. We're just recording this on video and then getting to uh, all of you. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Um, question, you know, you do the whole hello yes. intro. Do you ever flub that? Oh, yeah. I've done it before. So sometimes like if you just ate or drank a soda, like something's in your throat, I don't have the greatest voice anyway. So when you have to do that, you have to kind of keep it going for a while. When Keely would be in studio, if I messed it up, she really wanted me to put it up that way, but I would just stop and, and go again. But yeah, if we if we do it together and I mess it up, actually we're on video, so uh, I could just keep it and then we'd be like, oops, move on. So yeah. I'm I don't sure. I don't think I've ever had you flub it when I've been here. No. Uh, I got to step up my game when you're around. You know, I appreciate that. You bring, you, you bring a lot to the table, Chris. You, there's a level of professionalism I have to like adhere to when you're doing the podcast. You know, so that's why I haven't messed that one up yet. But it will. Trust me, I will. Um, you know, I probably should drink some tea beforehand. You know, have like uh, you got to take care of the pipes. Yeah, you're like an those, opera like, singer. Diffusers in here or something, um, something like that. That'd be good. Uh, so okay. So anyway, we got to get to a whole bunch of stuff today. We appreciate everyone. Uh, tuning in uh, to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's the email address. we got some emails to get to today. You can also text us. I think we got at least one text today. And send us a voicemail. we got one of those too. 424-254-9141 is the number. Leave us a text. Please put your name on it because a lot of times people don't put their name. Uh, and leave us a voicemail. I'll try to keep it brief. We'd love to play it on the podcast. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, Follow us, leave us a five-star rating and review. That does really help to grow the show. Uh, I didn't look to see if we have any new ones, but we'll do that next week. Uh, before we get into everything, I want to thank our great sponsor, Trader Joe's. I made a Trader Joe's run yesterday. One of those things where we're like, you know, I was out of town for the weekend, so I didn't really have much in the fridge. I got to stock up, Chris. 
I kind of stocked the freezer a little bit. I got some of that orange chicken you like. Um, so I got that. But I did a lot of the uh, go. There's like an Indian food section, and it's good. The get get the garlic naan. You pop that in the oven for like a minute and a half. It comes out really good. And I had uh, before I came over here, I had the lamb vindaloo, which is good. So they're frozen. You microwave them for like five minutes, and uh, they got some good meal. I think I got the butter chicken too. But today I had the lamb vindaloo. Are you a lamb guy, Chris? Not really. I've had lamb, but it's not something that I frequently see all the time on a menu. Okay. I guess I just need to diversify my menu, uh, my restaurants that I go with that offer lamb. But I haven't. I've had it. Uh, it's good, and I would like to try it more when I see it on the menu. Obviously, it's a big part of Indian cuisine. As you're, uh, you're sort of on this Indian kick. I see. <laughs> they have a bunch of different. Um, it's good. Like you know, just taste the world. It's you could try some different things. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like. I like Indian food and I don't know what I just like, I just bought like three or four Indian dishes um, in there. I got the, uh, uh, the gnocchi in the, like the red sauce. I like that. So that's, you uh, said it right. Yeah. Gnocchi. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> and I got these butter cookies too. I'm like, I shouldn't have got them, but I'm getting them and I'm eating them. Sweet tooth Ryan I, I strikes again. Uh, all right. Well, thank you uh, to Trader Joe's again. Let's, move on oh you know what i forgot we had the trader joe's i didn't put the trader joe's logo up on the screen so if you're watching on youtube yeah see trader joe's why did, did i forget that yes i did so there's a lot going on uh here in the studio chris has got like some bar rescue show on uh it's those- my it's my secret it's one of my secret pleasure shows that i just put on uh in the mornings when i work just something to have on in the background i know the formula john taffer comes in yells a lot yeah owner has his ego hurt, yells back. They come to an understanding, more yelling, more training, more yelling, and then forgiveness, and then everyone's happy. Yeah. But it's like... It looks great. And then, and then it's like three out of the 10 make it in the end. So it's like terrible numbers, but it's tough to run a bar is what I, I gather yeah, from this it's, show. It's literally dirty. They needed to clean it all up. So like you clean it up once, but are you going to get back and clean it again? There was a, a book I read. Oh God, I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But the, apparently, like, if you win the lottery, like, there's a good chance you're going to go bankrupt. Like, there's a lot of people that win the lottery and then they just, you know, they don't, they, they weren't very good with money before they were given a whole bunch of money. Then they were given a whole bunch of money and they're still not very good with it. They just have a bunch of money and the bunch of money goes away. And uh, the book, the premise was like, this guy rigged the lottery, but he rigged it for like these down and out people that he would like, you know, they, he would find them and say, Hey, I'm going to make you win the lottery, but I'm going to take a percentage of it. I'm going to invest it for you and blah, blah, blah. And the way they like found him out was because like every like third person that like was doing really well from the lottery, like these people from like a trailer park or something. And they, they kind of put it together. Like what, what, what do these people have in common? Um, normally they would not be doing this well and invested in all these things. So I don't know, but apparently people in the lottery don't, uh, a lot of people, fail after winning lottery i know we have to get to usc because this yeah. is why these people are watching but i've seen this i saw this reddit post like a couple years ago and it's always stuck with me like the first thing you do if you win the lottery is you don't tell anyone the first thing you you do is you call a specific kind of lawyer and i'm blanking on what kind of uh-huh. lawyer they deal with like inheritance and stuff like that every like major lawyering law firm will have one of these so you call you ask for this specific type of lawyer i'm not doing it justice because i don't remember but you're supposed to call the first thing that you do is you don't tell anyone you call this kind of lawyer and then you get the process rolling you 
you uh, pick how much money you want to set aside for friends and family and all that stuff. You get that out of the way and then you take the lump sum. Yes. You don't take the, the the over 20 year stuff. No. You could win the lottery. You could sign up for the payments and then you get hit by a bus uh, a week later. You take the you take the lump sum. That's yeah, probably a state planning lawyer. Was that would that sound sure? Right? Yeah, I mean that sounds on the right track. But yeah, no, you definitely want the lump sum because you can do a better job investing. Basically, you're giving them a loan if you're letting. Now they take they don't you don't get as much, but if you can invest it well, then yeah. But yeah, you would be putting that. You should be putting a lot of that money away and giving yourself like a trust or something or whatever. But uh, all right, we don't need to talk about lottery stuff. If we win the lottery, I'll still do the show. I don't know if you would, but I still would do it, Chris. You would still do the show? Yeah. I still like I like doing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean I wouldn't like <laughs> I think very... you, I think you'd be more lax on with the scheduling. You'd be like, "Oh, I don't feel like coming in today. I'm going right. I'm going I'm flying to the Barbados uh today." So there might be some spear fish. stuff going on, yeah. Uh okay, so some different stuff we want to get to today. A lot of it has to do with the NCAA transfer portal. That May 1st deadline has passed. And there's been more than 48 hours we're recording this on uh May the 4th. Are you a May the 4th be with you guy, Chris? You know, look. If you want to celebrate May the Fourth, go 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 right ahead. I'm right. not I'm not doing it, but go ahead. I love Star Wars and stuff, but it's funny when you just say May the Fourth, and it's just like, oh yeah, that sounds kind of like May the Fourth be with you. But anyway, uh, May the Fourth. So uh, we got there's some news about you know uh, a late transfer in a couple you know one transfer you know a, a, a prominent player going into the transfer portal later than we thought, and a USC player uh, entering the portal uh, you know that we didn't really anticipate. So we'll get to all of that. Um, but you know, as of now, if we haven't heard about a player entering the portal, they're likely, you know, they're not in it. And if they want to go into the portal now, they would have to sit out, uh, the 2022 season. So you don't get that one year, uh, transfer deal. That's for free. Um, I think you could still make an appeal just like you would on a normal situation, but for the most part, now we just know, all right, if your name's not in the portal now, you're not going to be playing in the 2022 season. So you sort of have a, a fixed uh, basket of p- potential players to choose from if you're Lincoln Riley or, you know, recruit to if you're Lincoln Riley. One player they did get, uh, and, you know, he basically bailed from a sinking ship, uh, Eric Gentry, that we talked about before, the freshman All-American linebacker from Arizona State. Uh, I think they had, I think they're up to 19 or so players that left. Not as many as USC, but unfortunately for Arizona State, you know, USC didn't really lose like starters. Um, Arizona State lost a bunch of starters. They lost a bunch of key position players, um, you know, key depth. And he uh, had some, there's a, I'm putting up on YouTube, his uh, social media posts, you know, being in downtown LA, decked out in USC gear. Um, what are your thoughts on Eric Gentry, Chris, uh, becoming a Trojan? Yeah, I'll get, I'll be able to give more analysis and thoughts. Cause last time you asked me about Eric Gentry, I had a needle uh, in my leg getting a tattoo <laughs> so I couldn't really focus on what I was saying I don't even remember what I said but yeah it's a great pickup for this defense that really needs linebacker help really needs you know some talent uh, infusion and Gentry brings all that he's a guy who can push to be a starter um, at that weak side linebacker spot that's sort of where he filled in uh, at Arizona State they had some injuries that forced him into duty I believe he played in all 12 games three starts uh, ended up getting uh, a couple of freshman All-American nods. You know, he's six foot six. He's two hundred pounds, soaking wet. He's a long, lean kind of guy. But you put some weight on him, 
you know, you can get him up to 40 pounds, 30 pounds. He's going to be a guy. He already is a guy, but you got to get him to that next step, which is putting on some more weight, um, to, you know, to handle more of the rigors of being like a full-time starter, you know, in a, in a season. But, you know, it's a really good pickup. I believe he was a four-star prospect in our 24-7 sports rankings, the number 18 overall prospect in those transfer rankings. So another top 25 pickup for this class. And I believe he was the one who moved them to number one back in the transfer rankings, Lincoln Riley and that group, overtaking uh, the former portal king, uh, Lane Kiffin. So that's the kind of uh, talent you're bringing in, a guy who's just going to move you right back up those standings. And I believe puts them at number eight or nine overall in the overall team rankings, which factors in transfers and the recruiting class. So USC moving on up. Definitely moving on up. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, shuffling on the roster. Well, there's a couple of our players we'll get to, and then we'll kind of give you like an overall view of what the roster is like now and, you know, how we think it can change uh, sort of going forward. But I think he's a big, it's a big piece and there's a lot of upside there. He already had production and um, you get him in the strength conditioning program. And uh, I think, you know, there's, you could have a you know couple more years at USC with some some great production uh, for this defense, so I think it's a it's a big get. Uh, also takes a player away from a Pac-12 division rival, the South rival in Arizona State. Like I mentioned, Arizona State's sort of a sinking ship. Uh, I listened to uh, Eric Cartman's podcast. Eric Cartman, oh my God, Chris Cartman's podcast. Just make uh, a South Park. I just a little South Park. I don't South Park in the brain for some reason. Uh, does a great job over at Sun Devil Source. Um, it was almost an hour long talking about the major problems. Um, you know, Lole entering the portal, all these guys that are just like starters for Arizona State are gone. Um, now, I guess Lole can come back, uh, defensive lineman, but, they, you know, they they have like four scholarship wide receivers left and the offense they run, they want to have like 10. Um, there's a lot of problems with Arizona State. And, uh, and apparently, I'll pull it up. Um, so Bruce Feldman did a report on the Pac-12 uh, meetings, the Fiesta meetings that are in uh, Phoenix where the athletic directors and George Klyovkov go in there. And there's a lot of talk about NIL from this and, you know, the concerns because the Pac-12 is usually lacking, you know, way behind the SEC, the Big Ten with all this stuff, the collectives and things like that. Um, there's a lot of issues there. So Ray Anderson, as you know, like he was a former a- agent for Herm Edwards, hired Herm Edwards, which was very, you know, questionable to begin with. They've had to fire half their assistant coaches. Uh, there's, you know, level one uh violations by the NCAA that are coming. Uh, they still haven't interviewed Herm Edwards yet in the NCAA, but they're going to like Herm Edwards could be gone, but Ray, Ed, Ray Anderson would probably be the athletic director would probably be gone too. But there, this is a sinking ship program that has tons of problems that are self-inflicted that the things that they did themselves. And apparently according to uh, Bruce's report, Ray Anderson took the floor to passionately discuss Rule breakers, which multiple sources said were dripping with irony as his football program is amidst a full-blown recruiting scandal involving Herm Edwards and his staff that have cost numerous some devil coaches their jobs. The quote was, Ray going on a soapbox like that was really something to see, one source toward the athletic. It was so bizarre, said another coach. I was thinking, oh my God, is he really going there? Um, ASU is, you know, it, like I said, sinking ship. It is you know, on fire. There's no way. Um, they're going to be turning this around until Herm and Ray and maybe even, you know, uh, President Crow is gone. But USC could take advantage of that. And getting a guy like Eric Gentry is huge. Um, you know, I think that's a that's a big piece. 
Uh, Lole is an amazing defensive lineman. USC could always use some help there, so I'm sure the Trojans could be on that. But uh, that's just one. There's a lot of things that are going in, I guess, advantageous for uh, Lincoln Riley in his first year. And not having Arizona State really be any good is, is one of them, Chris. That Yeah, I saw that report or that that segment you were talking about, and it's just very comical. It's almost like a Curb Your Enthusiasm skit or something like that. Do you do you almost feel bad for Arizona State at this point? Because it just seems like every day it's just like more and more. Like they're down to like two walk-on defensive linemen that could be their starters. It's bad. That's like it's it's like a carcass at this point in terms of their roster, and it's like. How you got a you have a lame duck coach, obviously, you know, Herm is obviously on the hot seat. Like at, at some point you just gotta feel bad, you know. I, I think, you know, I feel bad for the kids. You saw sort of that that sort of toxic environment that's going on over there with the video, remember from a couple months ago with Jane yeah. Daniels in his locker room, just going through his locker room. So just a just a just a sad situation. But I know a lot of USC fans don't really care about that and they just wanna uh dance on the grave of Arizona state football. I do feel bad. And, uh, you know, but the, you, you kind of, they were sort of getting on their soapbox, not just with the Ray Anderson stuff, but about, we're going to do it a different way. We have a different style of this. It's going to be more of a CEO role and all these things that sort of were just like thumbing their nose, at everybody that we're going to run things differently. We're not going to embrace NIL. There's, there was all these kind of decisions made that they were trying to like express how they're, they're, they're a smarter way to do things than what everyone else is doing. And it's just crashed and burned. When you're talking about how you're the smartest person in the room, you're usually not the smartest person. Exactly. And that's what it it was. And this is a program that has just tons of potential. And they just never seem to be able to realize it. And, you know, you feel bad. Like a guy like Chris Hawkins gets caught up in that. I don't know how much he did or what. But, you know, Herm Edwards, like, you know, Chris Cartman was reporting that Herm Edwards, like, met with prospects during the pandemic when you weren't supposed to have any contact at, like, a rented house in the area. Like, that the head coach was doing this stuff. So if you're like the lower level assistant that's just kind of taking the bullet, you feel bad for like a Chris Hawkins, uh, you know, a, a Chris Claiborne who was over there. Um, I mean, there's good players, there's good coaches, and you feel like they, everyone kind of got caught up in all this, and uh, it's just a mess. And then the powers that be, and we've seen this at USC, where you're just reluctant to make changes that you need to make. David Woods is, is kind of funny about this. He's like, Hey, Ray Anderson, the best time to hire the fire Herm Edwards was months ago. The second best time is right now. You know, it's like you basically just you're just holding on for some what I don't know why. And uh, but it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, we don't need to talk more about Arizona State, but it's a you know division rival. That's it's a wounded animal right now. And that's, you know, one of those things where Ari- like Arizona's on the way up, but they only won one game last year. How they how are they going to? They're not, they're going to turn around, but they're not going to turn around that much. Arizona State like was bowl eligible last year. They're going to fall off a cliff. So that's you know just something to help a USC program that's trying to climb back up. You know from their four and eight season. And while we have talked, when we just mentioned, you know, you kind of feel bad. It's also like you have to take advantage of what's happening there in terms of you know they have talented players that are leaving. And obviously, you've mentioned Lole, uh, a Long Beach Poly native, but he would absolutely be a home run for this defensive front that is in search and in need of an impact defensive lineman, especially in the interior, to kind of help fill out that depth and sort of compete for a potential starting job. And if Lole, you know, as as I've reported throughout this week, you know, I feel really good about USC's chances with Lole. You know, he he wants to come home. He's from the area, went to Long Beach Poly, 
uh, younger brother is at Poly right now. Um, so I, I feel really good about, you know, USC's chances in getting Lole. And he would be a guy I think you would slot right away into that starting lineup. You know, put him right there in the middle. No offense to uh, Stanley Tauafu. You know, he started last year. Uh, he held on to that starting job. It seemed like all of spring camp. And But, you know, Lole is a top 10 national defensive lineman. I think going into last season, you know, before he had the tricep surgery, I think he was regarded as like top five among pro football focus in terms of uh, his ability. So that's an impact starter guy. You know, put him in there with Thule and Nick Figueroa and call it a day. But they're also, you know, involved with Omar Nomar, Omar Norman Lott. You know, he was a guy USC pursued out of NorCal uh, in his class, 2020, the 2020 class. He's a redshirt freshman, um, was a more of a rotational player last year, but produced. I believe he was around like 30 tackles, a couple tackles for a loss and a sack. You know, he's six foot three, uh, 290 range. He pr- would provide a lot more depth as well in terms of, you know, a guy who can play in the rotation. So you get two of those guys. I think you call it a day with the defensive line. I think you're good right there. Um, So both of those guys are being pursued uh, by USC. So, you know, USC could have upwards of, what, three Sun Devils on their roster next year. At least two could be starters and one could be a rotational guy. So that's a big defensive overhaul right now, thanks to the Sun Devils uh, falling off a cliff. Yeah, and, you know, getting uh, a cornerback from Colorado, like they're, you know, to be able to stealing the best players from other Pac-12 programs, a guy like so much production, uh, Travis Dye, you know, you're, these are, you know, this is a big deal. Like changing the, you're not just rebuilding your roster, but you're actually making your competition weaker. So that's why I think that, and the, the Arizona state thing being that they're in such turmoil right now, can you pounce on it? And it looks like Lincoln Riley's done that, you know, at least with Eric Gentry. But if you add, you know, three defensive pieces from that, and that's where USC is going to need the most help. Hurting a division rival and adding to yourself. That's why I think this is a big deal. So, sorry we talked a lot about ASU. Um, I, I talk about all those programs because I do the Pac-12 podcast, the Podcast of Champions. But this one has just been one we've talked about almost every week because so many players have entered the portal. I, I think some like being... I, like, I think some USC fans are, to throw it back to South Park, like being... Uh, Eric Cartman and licking the tears of uh, Scott Tetherman <laughs> and his chili. I think that I think a lot of people see. Look at that reference. Uh, if, you, if, if you don't understand the reference, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But I think some people would like hearing about you know the, the troubles of uh, in Tempe. Yeah, that's a disturbing episode. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> an iconic there. episode. I make a lot of South Park references for whatever reason because they get very like topical. You know. Uh, okay, so another transfer portal. Uh, bomb that dropped this week. Uh, thanks to Pete Thamel over at ESPN, a friend of mine, but just he's been pretty good about breaking a lot of news. Um, and Jordan Addison, the uh, so there were six wide receivers selected in the NFL draft over the weekend, Chris, uh, in the first round. Um, big, big receiver uh, push. Uh, in the NFL, because, you know, so those guys, if you're a first round pick as a wide receiver, holy cow, big deal, big deal, right? Drake London, number eight overall pick, first offensive skill position to go. Uh, great stuff there. Well, there's a guy that was still in college that won the Bolitnikoff, which is the best receiver. So apparently he's better than all those guys that went in the first round. And he was with Pitt. He loses his offensive coordinator, loses his coach, loses his quarterback, who was a first round pick. 
And now he's in the transfer portal, and it's been a whirlwind of craziness, accusations from Pat Narduzzi, the pit. Phone calls. Yeah, calling, calling, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley up, not happy with with what's going on. The rumors are, and I'll put a picture of him up. Uh, Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, 144 targets, I believe, 100 catches, like 1,600 yards. Uh, Big, big deal. Really good wide receiver. And USC... His that USC's names come up. There was rumors of like a three million dollar deal to go somewhere else. Pitt fans aren't happy. They're upset at USC, not as much as Oklahoma fans, but you know who isn't upset with USC at this point. Yeah, I think we got a question about that coming up too. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on Jordan Addison? We know now. We now know uh, as of yesterday that he is officially, officially, officially in the portal. So May first, we said there's a deadline. They could schools could take up the 48 hours to actually put the name in. So they did on May 3rd. Now we know Jordan Addison is in the transfer portal. Again, Ryan, once again, bearing the lead, a DMV native, uh. a DMV native from Frederick, Maryland. It's not Washington, D.C., uh, but still DMV to the bone. He's out there. They're different out there, Ryan. I keep telling you guys. Did you coach there. him in uh, swimming at all or no? No, uh, badminton. I coached okay. him in badminton. So a DMV guy could be, I believe, the sixth, fifth DMV guy on the roster. Um, so joining you know, a guy like Bryson Shaw, who people are forgetting is from the DMV, Shane Lee, Colin Mobley, and, of course, Caleb Williams uh, is a DMV through and through. But yeah, Addison led the country in touchdowns last year with 17. I believe he was tied with the kid from Western Kentucky, fourth in total yardage. His season totals were only second to a guy named uh, in pit history called Larry Fitzgerald, who you know was a pretty good uh, wide receiver, if if my memory uh, recalls correctly. So, does USC need Jordan Addison? Absolutely not. Do you want Jordan Addison on your team? Absolutely, you do. They've already got a pretty stacked wide receiver core. And if you were to add a guy like Addison, who, like you mentioned, is the Politnikoff winner from last season, it would just take the the receiving potential and the potential for this offense to another level. I think we've talked about how in this receiving, in this offense with this receiving unit, we didn't think there'd be a true number one. It'd be bounced right. around. But if you get Addison, we're throwing out the window, uh, Ryan, because we're all going in. Addison will be your number one. Mario Williams will be your number two, and then the rest kind of falls in. That's kind of what it, what it would look like to me. I know I know uh, Caleb has a better chemistry with Mario Williams, but they would get there over the summer if, if you know you add a guy like Addison. And Addison is the first. I kind of confirmed this with uh, Chris Hummer, our guy who is our portal god, um, that Addison is the first uh, player that has won a major college football award to enter the portal. Will he be the last? I don't know, but it's an interesting thing when you have a guy, you know, who won one of the premier awards in college football Future that he's, award, yeah. he's in the he's in the portal. Um, that's kind of the new age that we're in. You know, will one day we see a Heisman winner enter the portal? I don't know. That would be the tip at the top of it. But Addison, a yeah. guy you don't need, but you would absolutely want on your team. And yeah, he is in L.A., you know, that, that's the thing that came out today is that he's in L.A. kind of having throwing sessions with Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. I haven't heard one cry of tampering uh, for that one, <laughs> but he is in L.A. He was spotted in Vegas over the weekend at the airport. There was that photo that surfaced. He was uh, in, in Vegas with uh, USC 2023 commit 
Malachi Nelson. They were at uh, the uh, that YouTubers event, destroying. Uh, I don't. We mentioned him on this. He was at practice, USC practice, a couple of weeks. He's got a. He's a the most popular football YouTuber on the in on on YouTube. Okay. I think he's got over four million followers. He's he's that he's that popular. You know, I guess he had his own event in L A. and Apparently Addison was out there for that. Malachi Nelson was out there. Malachi's been in some of his videos, so there is a connection there. So Addison, big fish, big fish in the portal right now. Yeah. So we two two topics I want to talk about. One, uh, we'll do the tampering stuff first, and then the second one about just you know adding him to the roster and what that means. So the accusations of tampering is basically it would be like, hey, if Lincoln Riley called Jordan Addison and said, hey, I want you to come to USC, he's not in the portal. You're not allowed to do that. But as you mentioned. He's from the DMV, um, and so is Caleb Williams. They knew each other, and you know, growing up with the seven-on-seven circuit and all of that. I mean, there's nothing to say. Like, so Caleb Williams could call Jordan Addison and say, "Hey, man, it'd be great if you came to USC." Now, he, Lincoln Riley can't ask Caleb Williams to do that, but Caleb Williams can do it on his own. Are they going to be able to? I mean, there's so many avenues. There's, you know, it, you're not proving anything as far as tampering goes. If what's going on there, uh, I don't think there was. And about the three million dollar like sort of rumor, uh, I think Stuart Mandel had a good tweet where this is like USC lost a player because of NIL money, which I think he was. Do you remember Josh Connerly? Josh Connerly, you know, going to Oregon. They don't have a collective yet, so could there be some donor that wants to like put money in or something? But USC is not that organized right now as far as that stuff goes. There's not this huge collective that they're putting a bunch of money towards. And this was sort of the same thing in the Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll era where everyone assumed USC was cheating. USC was like, I think sometimes USC was successful despite what they were doing because they do have a whole bunch of inherent advantages. And if you just get a great coach, things could work because you, you're basically Alabama on the West Coast with no LSU or Georgia or Florida, anything like that. And you just hire a great coach and there's people get excited about it. You're all, you happen to be in the... Number one media market, um, you know, you're in a major city with Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. There's just a lot of advantages to being USC. You, and like I've said for years, you kind of have to try to screw it up. And they've done that. Um, could there be some deal that a booster was going to, you know, give him money? That I mean, there like there could be, but there's not like this collective and this organized effort to like put money towards getting players to come to USC. You're sort of like players kind of want to come to USC. It's like the Lakers where like, Free agents sort of want to come to LA and you kind of have to give them a reason not to. That's sort of my take on this. Um, I don't buy the tampering stuff. I don't buy the, the $3 million deal. Like, you know, it would have to be more of like a Caleb Williams thing where you're a star and there's like this corporate thing that like, Hey, if you come to LA, we're going to, you know, we can market you. And like, there could be something like that. Um, but for, and I always said this from the beginning with NIL, Chris, the, the USC advantage is going to be for their superstars because they can have this huge stage where if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, the backup guard could probably get a car dealership deal because they, they, oh, you're in the Nebraska football team. We're going to help you out. If you're not like well-known on the USC football team, there's not really much, you know, it's more of the star kind of thing. And if he could be the star receiver, then I think there could be some kind of deal there. But that's my little rant. What are your thoughts on all the the tampering things. Well, as far as the sort of $3 million figure and all that thrown around, I believe Mandel kind of wrote about that. That was tied back to a former Arizona state uh, coach that was fired. He was one of the guys that were fired through the investigation. Adam 
Brenneman, I believe his name is. Apparently, that's where it started on Twitter. And kind of, as you know, things on Twitter, they just spread like wildfire uh, around there on that site. So that was something, the narrative that people kind of took and ran with it. There was, you know, cries for the FBI to get involved. Uh, Ryan, I can't wait till the FBI seizes uh, this episode to use for their case against USC. Uh, but there's there was a lot of things going on on Twitter, a lot of a lot of rumors, a lot of things, false narratives. Um, yeah, I wouldn't believe any of that, you know. And in terms of like the tampering stuff, yeah, you can't you can't really prove that unless the coach is dumb enough to call a player directly yeah. when they're not in the portal. This is college football. There's so many. There's so many ways things happen on the back channels through third parties and stuff. You know, you can go through a, a player's coach and go through a player's um, lawyer. You know, these are NIL days, so people have lawyers now. So you you can put feelers out that way. You don't need to go directly. That would be a direct violation of the tampering rule. And like you said, players contact each other. I, I believe it was, if you recall, with Brew McCoy, you know, he was at USC, decided to transfer to Texas. You know, we heard when he came back, you know, Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown, JT Daniels, they made references to how they were texting Brew McCoy. You know, that's not illegal. That's just them yeah, texting their boy, their friend, being like, hey, come back. It's like if we were at two different parties, Ryan, across the across the, the town, and I'm like, Ryan, come to my party. My party's much better than with the party you're at right now. You can't get in trouble for that. I'm just, no. I'm just texting my friend like, hey, come through. Come be the life of this party. So that's sort of what it feels like. You know, it's just it's just players going to players, which is nothing illegal about that. Like you said, you can't tell a player like, hey, Caleb, Texas guy, tell him to come through. You can't do that. Right. But there's also like no way to prove that, you know. Right. There's so much a conversation in an office somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? But and I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying you can't prove that with any program, you know. Does it no. happen? I'm sure it happens, but you can't prove it. There's too much. uh what is it? Plausible deniability or whatever. There's too much of that. And it's impossible to kind of for the NCAA to kind of regulate kind of those. Like, how can you track that? You you can't. And there's a direct link, obviously, between the quarterback and the wide receiver from the area they grew up in. They've known each other for years. Right. So that's like, OK, if you're the NCAA, even if there was like, OK, well, they know each other. The quarterback calls the receiver and says, you'll come out here like. You want to, what's the most, okay, if you're USC and you wanted to get Jordan Addison, all right, and you're Lincoln Riley, like, your best shot, like, the best chance of getting him is just doing it organically, where, like, Caleb Williams called, like, it's it's way better for that to happen than, like, if Lincoln Riley called or something, like, he doesn't know Lincoln Riley, you know, he knows Caleb Williams, like, that's, that would be your best chance is to do it, like, the legal way, where just these two are friends. Hey, bud, you want to come out and come to the school I'm at? We're all new here. Um, so, yeah. And so, who's to say it's not the opposite that happened? Like you said, Addison lost his quarterback co- or his, his wide receiver coach, his offensive coordinator, and his and his uh, QB. What if it was like he was texting Caleb one day or texting some of his friends? He was like, man, you know, think about transferring or something like that. And, you know, who's to say a player doesn't go to his coach like, hey, Jordan Addison, Blitnikoff winner, thinking about transferring, you know? Maybe maybe it started that way. Maybe it's not the other way around. Yeah. And if, like, I guess the equivalent or, if, you know, if, if you want an analogy as far as sports stuff goes, like. No, I want a food analogy. This is not a food one. <laughs> uh, the, you know, say you're, you're Damian Lillard, you know, for Portland, looking at where you want to go. 
if the Lakers didn't have like a ton of interest, like that's the guy, but you're still telling your agent, like, Hey, uh, can we make something happen with the Lakers? You know, Utah might be a better destination. Like they're a better team right now. Um, Utah has to, would have to court a guy like Lillard to try to get there. Like, here's what we're doing. We put all these pieces in place and stuff where the Lakers could like, just have their thumb up their butt. And, and Lillard would want to come to the Lakers cause it's the Lakers, you know? Um, and he's friends with LeBron and LeBron kind of started this trend where it's like, you recruit your friends, you come know, play with me, you know? Yeah. And it's, so is that fair that a, a free agent, a, a great free agent would rather like default by, Hey, I'm going to go to I'm, my first thought is I want to go to the Lakers, you know? If someone convinced me to go somewhere else because it's better for my career or whatever, fine. But, And I think if you're Jordan Addison, like if you just woke up one morning and go, I'm getting out of here. Uh, like I said, lost my quarterback, lost my wide receiver coach, lost my offensive coordinator. Like, what would you say? Like, are you going to go, mm, I want to go to Ohio State. Okay, they have crap loads of wide receivers there. Now, you can go anywhere, right? Um, Ohio State would be a good, you know, destination. You want to go to Alabama? They've had tons of success. How about somewhere with a little bit better weather than Pittsburgh and Ohio State, right? And you want to go, like, like literally, what would you think of if you're Jordan? Like, Lincoln Riley and USC, even though they haven't won a game yet, that's a place where there's like a lot of momentum. They were just on ESPN, so without Caleb Williams saying a word, without Lincoln Riley saying a word, where the hell do you think you'd want to go? Like, that's a great place. You'd want to go to USC. So is that fair? Like, I don't know. Like. Yeah, it's like you have, you know, there's advantages to, you, know, you got to use whatever you have to your advantage. Being in a major media market, all that stuff, that's something I think USC can use to their advantage. And it did here. Uh, the other part was, okay, you you mentioned, does USC need them? No. Would they want them? Hell yes. And I feel like the chemistry from spring football was positive. You have a whole bunch of players that are still there. And, you know, and for the most part, they chose to be there, right? Uh, we haven't seen, we've only seen one, we'll talk about that, one player leave post-spring football. There were a couple, like, during or just before. Um, so they've chosen, they know what the culture is, and they've chosen to stay. You've got these new players that came in that chose to get away from whatever environment they were in and come to be with Lincoln Riley. All these coaches that chose to be there. Dante Williams, who chose to stay. And I felt like everyone was starting to kind of on ground zero. It wasn't like, the old guard is established and the new guard's coming in and there's fighting. It was basically like you blew it all up. If you decide to stay, here's how things are going to be done now. Um, you don't have some advantage just because you've been here. Like you, you might be at a disadvantage because you've been here, but it's, it, it didn't feel like that. It felt like everybody was sort of on the same page and you're like, here's what we got. We're still going to add, we're going to add more dudes and bring them in. And you're going to add guys that could potentially start that, you know, you could ruffle some feathers that way. But if you bring in, a receiver like this who got 144 targets last year. I mean, so you're talking like Drake London kind of numbers, right? Where you're just like, there's, you're focused on one dude. Um, how do you think that's going to impact this receiver room? That's 10 deep right now. And, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about playing eight to 10 guys a game. So you probably needed some more help from the portal, but not anticipating an alpha, not anticipating the best receiver in the country. That's going to, you know, it's going to be really hard for him to get, if you're Addison, it's going to be hard to get as many catches as you had last year in this offense, even though the offense would be more productive, um, you know, be more, you know, could be more successful, but thoughts on that, like for Addison, you know, maybe not getting as many catches as he had before and the rest of the receiving room. Hey, uh, we, we felt pretty good about the 10 guys we have. And now you added this guy, like what, what does that mean? I think it's a bunch of different 
you know, factors and sort of repercussions to this. One being if I'm Addison, I'm already being hailed as a first round pick for next season. I don't really need to do another season with a hundred catches. He had a really nice freshman season, true freshman year. He has 166 catches in his career right now. He doesn't need to have a, a monster year like that. A monster year is nice. But if he has just a, a good year, over 1,000 yards, uh, 80 catches, whatever, uh, put up a bunch of touchdowns again, he's going to go first round. He has the tape. Everyone knows what he's going to do. But he has a chance to come in and kind of work with a new team, a new program, and work towards a championship. I don't think if you're adding Addison, it's a guy that's about me, 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 me and wants all those numbers, I don't think that's the the aim of the game for him. I think it's more about, you know, going somewhere new, being part of a team, you know, playing for a Pac-12 championship, maybe something more. Uh, we don't know. But I think it's not about getting the stats. It's about just being a part of this offense, being a weapon in this offense, being, you know, have another good season. But on the other side, like you said, there is a lot of good receivers in that room. You know, we're expecting a not to have a true number one. Addison would be a true number one. But in the culture that Lincoln Riley wants to build, in this offense he wants to build, it's about competition. It's about bringing the best out of anyone and everyone. So you're adding a guy like that. It's a message to say, hey, you need to step up. I wouldn't say Addison's guaranteeing a starting job, but that's, you know, what it, what it would look like if you have a Blitnikoff guy on your roster but everyone has to step up from Mario Williams to Brendan Rice to Terrell Bynum to Kyle Ford, Gary Bryant. If you want to play, step up. Be yeah. the guy to compete for that time, to compete to be in that rotation. There's one more guy, so there's one more mouth to feed, a big mouth to feed. So you're going to have to have guys take their game to a next level. You you have the competition in that room. You have, you're bringing the best guys in. It's only going to bring the best out. Weed, weed the guys out that do, that don't need to be here. It's just a tough it is a tough position because as you said the May 1st transfer period is over. So if a guy wants to transfer, he's not going to play next season. So at that point I feel like even if you're maybe the 11th guy in that rotation, I think you're still sticking around because injuries happen. There's going to be blowouts with this offense. You're still going to get time to play. Maybe you're not playing in the first and second quarter, but you know, maybe you're playing at the end of the third, whole fourth quarter. I still think there's value in sort of sticking around, even if maybe you're not in that top top end of that rotation or, you know, that eighth guy on the on the on the wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at the wide receivers, there's not like a glaring like, okay, I could see that guy transferring if this happens. Like, so you're Terrell Bynum, you know, you just transferred in. You're Brendan Rice, you know, you transferred in. You're Mario Williams, you're definitely got not going anywhere. A guy like John Jackson, he was a junior, you know, just loved USC. Um, sort of gets production when he's, you know, we see him in practice and things like that. You know, if someone like that, are you going to transfer and sit out for a year? I don't think he's going to do something like that. Um, like a Taj Washington, he's already transferred in. Uh, you know, Gary Bryant Jr. or Michael Jackson, I don't know, maybe like a Michael Jackson or something. Um, could potentially. CJ Williams isn't going anywhere. Yeah. Freshman. CJ Williams is a freshman. Uh, Kyron Ware Hudson is. You could argue he was one of the most improved players in spring football. He had a huge year. He had that hamstring injury last year and just sort of got a slow start and then never looked like he was doing stuff and he just never really got an opportunity. That's, you know, on USC's fault. And, you know, a guy like Kyle Ford, former five-star, um, he's been waiting his time for a while. So I don't know. I mean, I, no, no one stands out to me, Chris, that would say, okay, that guy's going to 
if if you bring in Addison, this guy's going to transfer. Yeah, I don't really get the feel. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if someone decided to leave. Yeah. And, you know, take that sit out, but I I just think I just think it's more valuable to sit and stay. You know, a lot of the guys are probably finishing up their their degrees, so why not you know play on this football team? You know, injuries happen at wide receiver position. Uh, assuming you know they're going to get a lot of volume as we expect, so you know why not be a part of that? There's going to be blowouts. You're going to get time to play, so I think it's still valuable to to stick around, even though you're bringing in an alpha like that, which shifts everyone down one essentially. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but that that's one thing that you know you got to look at the chemistry and bringing a guy like that. I mean, you have to do it in a you know in a smart way so you don't upset the the chemistry in the room that they feel like they've built pretty good chemistry. Adding the new pieces, bring you know the old people, you know the old ones together, and all of that. And but quickly, I just I yeah. did want to say something, and it's just a comment. You don't have to comment on it, but it's because you brought it up with the Drake London and Drake Jordan Addison and how they're sort of intertwined. You know because. I've mentioned this on Twitter, and I fought people on Twitter about this, but if Drake London hadn't broken his ankle, he was going to be the Blitnikoff winner. He was, yeah. And, you know, it's just interesting that Jordan Addison, the guy who, I don't want to say benefited, but, you know, was able to go and win the Blitnikoff because the the guy who was considered the best receiver in the nation was hurt was Jordan Addison, and now, you know, Addison is being tied to USC in terms of, you know, he could be on the roster next year, so... To have Drake London one year and then Jordan Addison next year is just, you know, a, a crazy twist of events, situation, whatever. But in this day and age of the portal, you know, can't be that surprised. No. Uh, and then, I don't know if they're too surprised on this next one. Um, I was actually, it's funny, I was talking to our portal king, uh, 24-7 Sports, inquiring about some other players that could have potentially been in the portal from USC and learned that uh, Elijah Winston the uh, former inside, outside linebacker, current edge rusher in this USC defense, uh, 10 career games, uh, his redshirt, I think he's a redshirt senior, but he's really a junior because the 2020 season uh, didn't count. He's in the portal. So you projected him as kind of third on your depth chart for that rush end, edge, whatever they want to call it, um, you know, behind Romello Height and Corey Foreman. So he was sort of in the mix there. He was getting some second team reps until – Foreman end up coming back. Um, but you know, he was, uh, if you remember back in the day was originally committed to Oregon, I believe. And then, you know, switched to USC, uh, had more action. I think that freshman year than any other time, but he still was able to redshirt cause it was like four games, but he had a bunch of his tackles and stuff then. And, uh, you know, it just, it was one of those things where he, he was a great kid someone you wanted to talk to and, and, and root for, but it just never really worked out. And he was the last player from USC to enter the portal before the May 1st deadline. So any thoughts on Elijah Winston, Chris? Yeah, I can't say that I'm shocked about it because I do think that Elijah did have talent, but he's just never been able to, he was always been that third or fourth guy, you know, even when, you know, he had Drake Jackson and Elijah Winston, he was kind of caught behind those guys. He shifted around the middle linebacker spots a little bit. He started out at USC as a defensive lineman. If you recall, he was on the, he was on the D line. And then under that, after that freshman year in the summer, he really lost a lot of weight and became like a true linebacker, which was great to see. He's also battled some injuries. You know, he had that, that, that broken ankle. He shoved, he suffered in the off season 
had some other injuries throughout the year. I believe he had a broken uh, finger or something like that. Um, so just just has hasn't had luck with injuries, and you know just been stuck behind guys on the depth chart and just was never able to truly show his talent, if you will. So I, I think it is disappointing because uh, I cover I've covered Elijah for a while. Um, I'm I'm friends with him. Uh, he's a really really good kid. Uh, smart kid, uh, one of the best quotes you'll ever get. You could just talk to him for hours. So I was always disappointed he never played more because he would have been a fan favorite media interview. He was just that good. And if you're listening to this, Elijah, you still you need to start that podcast. I joke with him all the time that he needs to make a podcast. Um, so you know, I wish him I wish him luck. You know, I think if he gets a chance to maybe not maybe a group of five school, maybe another power five, I think he could really have impact. Um, you know, I know he put a lot of work in, in the off season, so I am a little bit sad to see him go because I think he's a, he's a good leader in that terms. But you know, if he, he, he does need it, I wanted to see him, I want to see him play somewhere. I want to see him get that opportunity to maybe start, maybe be a true backup. Cause he wasn't really a true backup, uh, going into this season, you know, because you have Romello height and then Corey Foreman, those are the guys that are going to, to dictate the, that top of the rotation. He was kind of that third guy. Um, you know, coming off the bench, you know, he probably wouldn't play it until like the fourth quarter or whatever, or if there was injuries. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little bit of a blow to the depth because now you just have Romello and Corey. I'm assuming they're going to keep Gentry as sort of a inside linebacker, will outside linebacker kind of role. So okay, maybe they really like uh, Devin Tompkins. You know, the signee they have. He's he's pretty raw as a basketball player, but. You know he's the guy who's gonna be able to compete for that that third that third spot behind those two guys. Solomon and Tulalapupu too. Yeah, I mean it seems like Sol- Solo's more uh, defensive end, so they can maybe shift him back there. But it's gonna be interesting to see what that looks like in the summer. But yeah, I mean, wish uh, all I can say is I wish uh, Elijah Winston, Winston the best wherever he ends up. Yeah, uh, we you know if you talk to him, invite him. Well, he can come on the podcast and talk about his USC career or whatever he wants to do. We would. Love to have him on. I always enjoyed talking to him at practice. I didn't know him as well as Chris, but uh, I always enjoyed my conversations with him. So, uh, all right. Well, wish him the best. Uh, like Chris said, looking at, before we get into questions, we're going to look at the scholarship numbers right now. I'll update the scholarship chart. I have been updating it, uh, but I'll put another story up kind of talking about where it is. But my count right now is I have USC at 78 scholarship players. So um, it was... 77 before Winston left. So after spring football, I had USC at 77. Since then, you know, Winston has left. That's one way. But then also, you know, adding uh, Eric Gentry and uh, and uh, Bryson, Bryson Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. So adding those two players, uh, I have the total at 78. Now, there was two players uh, that aren't in the portal. Um, Jake Smith and Dorian Hewitt, the wide receiver, and cornerback respectively, but they weren't on the roster in the spring. Are there any other players that aren't in the portal, but won't be on the roster going forward? That's sort of what we're trying to find out um, right now, because, you know, I had eight spots open after spring, you know, adding two um, and then losing one. So that would be seven left. You know, I, he could he could end up adding six or seven eight guys or something and that's and still have if if no one else leaves the roster. But my guess is Chris that there's a couple of players on the roster that won't be um, come the fall. 
we're trying to find out who those people are or if, if that's still to be determined. It might not be determined yet. But kind of any thoughts on USC's overall numbers right now? Uh, I mean, they have the space. Obviously, there's still some some things they need to hit on. We've talked about defensive line. They have room for offensive linemen. They offered a JUCO, um, Cooper Lovelace, which is an interesting guy uh, out of Kansas. So there is room to add some guys to play around with. Still could probably use a quarterback. Still need a running back. A lot of running backs have entered the transfer portal. So they have some space, not a ton of space, but some space to, to fill some holes there. Um, and like you said, we're still just trying to figure out are there guys that there were guys that we expected that might leave in the uh, before the May first deadline? They didn't, so maybe, like you said, maybe there'll be guys who are you know not on the roster when they update that that thing in the fall. So there are some names to look out for, but again, we're gonna have to wait a couple more months to see that see that come to fruition or not come to fruition. Yeah, um, so kind of just keep a, a, a watch out now. Basically, now it's going to be if you're a USC fan, who does he, the Trojans add? Uh, like a guy like Jordan Addison or, you know, Lole or any of those guys, you know, you're going to watch, watch the portal for that. And then if there ends up some news coming out, which we, like Chris said, we might not get for months of a player that's just no longer around, you know, and when they start doing their offseason workouts, if we start hearing this uh, person's not, yeah, this there. person's not around. Uh, I think that was the same way with Isaiah Polamalu. Like he never declared for the NFL draft, but, everything we were told is he's not around anymore. And like, Oh, okay. So he went into the draft. Um, so some departures aren't going to be like, uh, announced with like bugles or whatever thing. There's just, uh, they're just gone. So we'll see if there's anybody kind of gone from the roster. Uh, and I think we talked about this before, but Stuart Mandel had reported that there's some kind of, I don't want to say loophole, but some rule where if a new head coach comes in, um, players, can be removed from the roster, but kept on scholarship. So you, so essentially you could say, all right, you're not going to work out and play. We recommend you transfer somewhere. And if they don't want to transfer, the school can still provide a scholarship for that player, but not have them be on the football team and not have them count towards that 85 limit. So sort of like a retirement and like a guy like mm. Jake Smith, that, that might've been what happened or Dorian Hewitt. Um, that's my thought of you know, the fact that they were gone and they're not in the portal. Now, maybe they just stopped, didn't want to play football anymore. Like you could do something like that too. But if they did, because of this rule, the, the, the new coach comes in, um, you could stay, I'm going to stay on scholarship, go to get my degree at USC and then transfer somewhere else when I'm done with my degree. Uh, USC has a ton of softboards on the roster. So we could potentially see Chris, somebody, that says like, all right, I'm not going to transfer right now. What I'm going to do is stay on scholarship, not be on the team for a year, get my degree, and then I'll go transfer somewhere else and play. Um, so that's something we have to kind of watch for. And, you know, Lincoln Riley talked about having more than 10 spots open, which that's not our count. We're not counting that. And so there might be a couple of players that have already decided to do that. We just haven't been told that. Just on your little outline plan about like taking a year off or whatever and then going to the portal i think that's what michael croom did uh the former dartmouth safety i believe he played didn't play for a year of football and then got his degree and then entered the portal oh, and ended okay. up i think that's sort of the the route he took i don't know what like ivy league scholarships look like so maybe not, maybe he might not have been even been on scholarship but i think that's what he did he took a year off and then he entered the portal yeah he i mean 
his is a weird story because it's like his seventh year, I think. So um, there's a lot of, you know. We should get him on the podcast. We should talk. So how did you get there seven years? Um, okay. Uh, all right. That's it. I think we're going to take a quick break and answer some questions back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. If you're on YouTube, you didn't really get much of a break. But uh, for everyone on the podcast, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we don't have that many questions to get to. It went a lot longer than I thought we were going to, Chris. Um, just for it didn't seem to be a lot of topics, but we can talk. Uh, you can talk. You you talk too. We're you know we're we're in this together. We both talked, um, but I can talk. Yeah, let's uh, let's go to voicemail first. Hi, Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Ryan. I knew that getting a new coach and all the players and all the things we're doing would upset NCAA football. But I didn't know that we would be hated before we played a game. I like being hated. Feels kind of good. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Uh, yeah, Curtis. So what does it mean if you're hated? You're relevant. And what has USC been? Pretty much all the time, Clay Helton was head coach, irrelevant. And so to be relevant nationally, to be on the college football landscape, to be the only football program that had their spring game on ESPN, that's relevancy. And you're going to be out there. And there's going to be players the Damian Lillards that want to go sign with the Lakers or whatever, like people get mad, you know, when like, Oh, Anthony Davis is going to the Lakers and you know, when LeBron came or when LeBron went to Miami, you know, that you, people hate that. Well, Lincoln Riley's elevated the the status of the program and it's a popular place to be. It's the hot place. It's like the new club that just opened and everybody wants to go. Um, some of those new clubs fail, you know, they're, they're great for the first few weeks and you can't get in or the new restaurant or whatever, uh, everyone, you know, the reservations are three months out and the food sucks and the service isn't great. And then that kind of goes away or they just crush it. And it becomes like this really popular place. And that's what obviously USC is hoping that they can crush it, but they are a very popular place to be. That's a, it's a popular thing. If you're like, Oh, I want to go sign with USC. I want to go to USC. That's going to make other people hate you. They hate you in Oklahoma. Like how could you leave Oklahoma? Uh, Jordan Addison, you know, wins the damn Blitnikoff award and wants to go to LA. You know, people don't say, you know, beat Utah on the, in the crowd, but they say beat LA. They want, they Los Angeles. There's, there's, you know, you don't live there. There's some hatred there just in general. 
USC getting things going without having played a game, like Curtis said, uh, you're going to get a lot of people's ill will and you know just fire coming out of their eyes coming at you. So I don't know what do you, what do you think, Chris? All I can say is it's better to be hated than laughed at. Yes, and and I think a lot of it has to do with you mentioned a lot of good points about just you know being against LA or beat LA, but I think a lot of it also has to do just with Lincoln Riley himself. There's just a lot of hate towards uh, Lincoln Riley, who's become sort of this polarizing figure in college football. Um, so I think a lot of it stems from just Lincoln Riley being the USC head coach, because if it was like a Matt Campbell, this would not be the case at all. No, obviously Matt Campbell wouldn't, I don't think he'd be recruiting as well as uh, Lincoln out of the portal like that. So I think that that's a reason why, but if it was anyone else, like even Chip Kelly is sort of, he's more being made fun of than he is being hated at LSU, even though he did get a lot. I mean, Brian Um, Kelly, Brian Kelly, who did I say? Chip. No, yeah, Brian Kelly got a lot of shit when he initially left and how he left, but now it's become more of like a make fun of Brian Kelly instead of like yeah. villainize Brian His Kelly. Accent, like, yeah, trying to the dance, dance, you know, grinding on kids and that little, little thing. It's, just, it's all weird. Lincoln's not doing that stuff. It's just more so like they don't like Lincoln Riley. They don't like USC. They don't like Southern California. So it's just this trifecta coming together and sort of this ball of hate for the rest of college football. Yeah. The problem is everybody knows that USC can be the death star. Like USC would get out of its own way. May the 4th. Look at that. Look at May that. May the 4th. Title. Yeah. Like we talk about this on the podcast of champions, like David Woods, you know, UCLA guy, he, it pains him, but he knows he's like, uh, like the, 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 the vacation is over. Like the Clay Helton year that they didn't want Clay Helton to go. They knew they weren't going to elevate USC status. Well, they Lincoln, were chanting outside of, UCLA fans at 2019 is that the one they just lost at the end in the in the Rose Bowl they were like extend clay yeah they were chanting extend clay so but they knew if you hired like a really good coach and this is beyond anyone's expectations like Matt Campbell would have turned USC around but it probably would have taken a little longer Lincoln Riley's doing it like right away and elevated the status of the program so people are going to hate on him and uh I think you're right Curtis that's where you want to be if you're USC, uh, we got an email from Mark. Are grad transfers still allowed to enter the portal after May 1st and be eligible for the next season since they're not officially or not technically part of the new one-time transfer rule? I think so. I don't. Do you do you know about that, Chris? I don't, but I think you do have to be in there by May 1st. I could be wrong, but I've seen a lot of people. I've seen guys who went in, you know, announce I'm a grad transfer. So I feel like you do have to be in. Okay, that's interesting. Um, maybe, yeah. So the May 1st rule is new. Uh, the, you already had the exemption for the sitting out if you're a grad transfer. Yeah, I don't, that's a, that's a good question, Mark. Um, I'll see, I'll see what I can find out on that one. Uh, we got a text from Sean. Were you surprised on the low number of Trojans drafted? Um, so first rounder, Drake London, Goes to the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, second rounder, Drake Jackson. Falcons, right? I'm sorry, Atlanta. Atlanta Falcons. Why am I? NBA? I've been watching a lot of NBA, uh, which I don't watch a lot of NBA, but I do like the playoffs. But uh, former basketball player. So in another timeline, maybe he did go to the Hawks. Yeah, potentially. But no, he's going to uh, the Falcons. Um, and you have Drake Jackson going up uh, the freeway to San Francisco. He's with the 49ers. And then Keontae Ingram. 
Um, the running back goes to what he went to Phoenix, right? Yeah. Phoenix. So he gets to stay in the warm weather, on, you know, not the cold weather stuff. Uh, so he's going to be with uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. If Kyler Murray is still there. Um, pretty good situation. I think for him, uh, probably the people you thought would get drafted. Did, were you surprised at the, that number, Chris? No, just because, you know, we've, we've talked about in the past, how USC has a developmental issue in terms of, you know, getting their players ready for the NFL. Obviously, there are guys that are breakthrough that, you know, are, are prone to the USC developmental or lack thereof. You know, you have Elijah Vera Tucker, you have Austin Jackson, you have Drake London. You have these guys that still ascend to the top of the first round and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's tougher for those guys, you know, that may be going in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth round that don't that don't make it because of that. I thought Chris Steele would have been drafted. I thought Isaac Taylor Stewart and his speed would have been drafted as well. I'm actually surprised Ben Griffins didn't get an undrafted free agency bid. He was taken in the CFL. So I am a little bit surprised that maybe at least one more guy didn't get drafted. But overall, I'm not shocked. I, I figured Keontae would get picked up. Um, and I thought at least one more, but three is the number. I don't think we'll be seeing three Trojans drafted anytime soon. I, no. I think we'll you'll that was maybe the last down year you'll see. Will they have a first round pick next year? Addison, if he comes, yeah, I, I yeah, I think the streak could continue. Um, but I think you're going to see a lot more dra- uh, Trojans drafted in the coming years. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Greg Johnson had like a long social media post about not really getting a chance. Um, you feel bad for guys like that. I guess he wasn't signed as a free agent either. Um, so, you know, the former USC DB, he had some good production as a Trojan. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't seen since he posted that, Chris, I haven't seen where he ended up. Is that? Have you heard anything about him? Griffiths? No, uh, Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson has not been picked up yeah. by anyone or given a tryout or anything. Sad so, situation, you know, kind of a guy just voicing his frustrations yeah, and sort of putting it all out there on the, the notes app. So, I mean, I don't see why he can't get a workout or a, a mini yeah. camp invite or something like that, especially with like a local team. So that, that sucks to see. And, you know, I hope. Someone out there, you know, maybe on the the staff can like, I don't know, pull a string just to get him a camp yeah. invite. That doesn't seem that hard to do, right? And it, and you know, you feel bad, and a lot of the people blaming like Clay Helton, just the v- development wasn't good and all that. It's just it wasn't a good situation overall. Now you just feel the team's in a way better situation and give these players a better chance. And you know, I think now some guys are going to get drafted when they shouldn't even have been, but because they're going to be part of a winning program that they're, you're more likely to get drafted. It's tough. You know, you're four and eight team, you know, you're just not going to get the benefit of the doubt unless you're a surefire uh, talent. Like some of the guys that got drafted, uh, AJ wrote in, he says the coach tells a player that they would be better off entering the portal because they won't get playing time on this team. But the player knows he probably will not get picked up. And he wants an SC diploma or at least a free college education. What are his options? Uh, those players who enter the portal and are not picked up now have to find a new school to attend and pay or and pay for. True? Or go JC if they're a freshman or sophomore. Sounds like they're better off to refuse to leave. Thanks for excellent work, AJ. Uh, we kind of talked about this where, at least for this year, if they don't want to leave, they can stay, not count, which is what USC is trying to get off. They're trying to get a player off the books. And for the player, it's a win because they get to stay and get their degree. Um, so I think that's the best option right now. But any thoughts there about what AJ had to say, Chris? I mean, you kind of touched on it. You can stick around 
to get your degree, kind of have a different kind of scholarship and not count towards the books. Will that rule continue to apply? I'm not sure, but I kind of like that rule. It does. It forces kids not to be in a sort of a tough situation and kind of be in the portal with the, you know, the fear of not getting picked up for football and letting them kind of, you know, get that degree at their initial school of choice. Yeah. And I don't think they're technically, I mean, you're signing at least the PAC 12 They're you know, they're four, supposed to be four year scholarships. So I don't think the coach can say you're gone, yeah. but they can make it clear. Like, Hey, you're not going to be playing. Do you want to, do you want to be here and like, just go through the motions or do you, you know, get out of here and, and go, try your luck somewhere else. I think there's a lot of those conversations that were had. Uh, and you know, sometimes a lot of times players don't want to stay where they're really not wanted. But if you technically just wanted to stay and get your degree, I think this is the only year, Chris, because it's a new coach that you can do that and stay on scholarship. Um, I think going forward, you'd have to still be on the team and you'd be on a team that they made clear don't want you. So that's not the best situation to be in. Um, but I don't think they can tech, they can, you know, technically just kick you out. Uh, that's the way it is. We had an email from M. Okay, guys and gals. Is Shotgun the only person who is not looking at the Trojans through road rose-colored glasses? I think the consensus is that our offensive line is mediocre at best, maybe lower third of the Pac-12 and 21. I don't agree with that. I where, don't agree with that. Where no team has an elite offensive line. We watched that mediocre O-line have limited success against the front seven group that was at the bottom of college football in 2021. Uh, accepting shotgun, I mean, except for shotgun, the group, including Coach Hyde, was impressed, huh? Take off the rose colored glasses, as, and as shotgun says, tap the brakes a bit. I say a lot from M. What do you think, Chris? I mean, I think it's a very incorrect statement to call the offensive line mediocre at best. Yeah. I would say above average at least. Um, I mean, I can't really like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, I want to argue with this person, but I don't want to argue with this person because I feel like I'm, it's not a correct take. You can, you, I, if that's your opinion, you think the the line is mediocre at best, that's fine. I think you're, you're going to be surprised by the offensive line. The offensive line was greatly improved from what it was in 2020 under Clay McGuire. And I think it's going to take another significant step under, uh, Henson in 2022, you have three returning starters. You have a guy who I th- I thought should be, you know, compete more for a starting job in Justin Dietrich. You have to figure, you have to hope that, you know, Monheim and Cortland Ford take that jump after, but they've started before. They have starts under their belts. And then yeah. you have a guy like Bobby Haskins. If he's healthy, I think could be a really good Pac-12 left tackle. So there's pieces there's talent, there's experience. You have everything you want to have a good offensive line. And Lincoln Riley seems to be very high on this offensive line. And he knows right. a lot better. He knows a lot more than what I know about football. So I'm going to have to kind of gauge with him. And, and if he if he's feeling very good about it, then I feel it would make me feel a little bit better about arguing with a take like the line is mediocre at best. Yeah, I mean, Voorhees, this is his sixth year, right? You know, and- Brett Nealon got a ton of experience. Dietrich was a spring captain. You, I think that people were talking about him being like the most impressive lineman that they've seen out there this spring. I think Henson said something like that. I, I think the problem is when USC was down like that, that you're just like, oh, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. 
And you didn't really look at the offensive line. Like, look at the third down numbers, the third and shorts, the fourth and short numbers in 2020. And they were, and I think even 2019. Like, they were bad. USC was bad at it. They didn't really practice. They bring in Clay McGuire, who actually has experience running more of the spread kind of stuff that, you know, the air raid kind of stuff that Graham Harrell was running. And he did a good job. I mean, you could say the secondary – you thought were going to be good, and they were pretty terrible. The offensive line you thought was going to be bad, and they were actually pretty good. I think people have a hard time grasping it. Like, they actually were pretty good. And as far as keeping, retaining players, like getting, you know, Neil on to stay, getting, um, you know, Voorhees to stay, like, those were big deals. And adding, like, a Bobby Haskins, who, you know, in there. there's a lot of starting experience on that offensive line that performed better than what people really want to give them credit for last year. There was a step in the right direction. And that was really basically like the same personnel, but you improve the coaching. And that's what you're going to see for me. That's why you have rose colored glasses kind of across the board. If you have the same personnel and then you improve the coaching, things can get a lot better. Um, if you're improving the personnel and you're adding like a Heisman trophy candidate and Caleb Williams, uh, if you had like a Jordan Addison, but you had Mario Williams and Brendan Rice and Terrell Bynum and Travis Dye, like, you've changed the face of the offense and the offensive line is pretty much staying the same. And you did add one, you know, starter, a starting left tackle from Virginia too, that we really get to see in the spring. Yeah. I, if you're down on the offensive line, I think it's just a lazy take because you didn't pay attention to it. Sometimes it's just like, Oh, everything sucks. Everything sucks. And for the most part, you would be right. Everything sucks. But you're like, if you look at the offensive line objectively, you're like, and chocolate will tell you this too. They were a lot better than what we predicted, what we thought. Most position groups were worse than what we thought they would be. Um, the offensive line wasn't one of them. I I would agree with that person in terms of maybe pumping the brakes a little bit with the optimism, but I will not stand by offensive line is mediocre at best. And I'm prepared. And lower third to, of the Pac-12, no. I, I will be... Uh, I am prepared to eat crow on that if they do end up not being good, but I have high expectations for them and I think they'll hit those high expectations. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have uh, Ryan and Chris. There's uh, now a USC email address for E Gentry. Thanks Herm. So this was before we, the, he I'm not tweeted. shocked. Yeah. So everyone's on the email watch. You're going to see like, Oh, is this see person? If, see if there's an Addison. Tell me when there's an Addison. Yeah. That's the real one. I is want there a Jay Addison at USC email? That's what you kind of want to see. And then the last two, um, I think we got, okay. So Ryan and Chris would uh, love to see a pie baking competition. If I had my choice, you would go with peach pie. That's from Gregory. And then Earl from Torrance is bake off. I want to be a judge. I promise to be fair. Uh, Ian's impartial. I don't know what that I is. I'm not sure what that means, but that's Earl. I think they meant fair and impartial. Oh, okay. Or maybe Ian impartial is someone that can vouch for them. I don't know. But I actually love the idea of you and I baking a pie off. It's a pie off. Now, do we have to bake the same pie? Like we both have to make a peach pie? Or can we make whatever we want in terms of the pie? I think think we should probably make the same thing. You know? Like... Because it's it, you know if if you make peach and I make like banana Boysenberry. cream or something sure. and, and like oh I the, one of the judges doesn't like cream pie or doesn't like you know I feel like making the same would probably be better but you know we could have different categories could do like here's the standard thing you got to make this 
And then, you know, we could do like three things or something like then you make your favorite pie and then some kind of, you know, then like a banana bread aspect and you have to like make all three. And then I don't know. Okay. I have a random pie generator. I'm not lying. I have a random pie generator. I'm going to generate a pie that we will make. Okay. Do you want to do three and then the fourth one is the one or do you want to just do this one? Let's just do this one. Just one. What the heck is a show fly show fly pie? Okay, we're not doing I don't even know what that is. Okay, let's do another one. Marshmallow pie. Uh is that a thing? Like, what do you you make a pie out of marshmallow? What, Pizza what? pie, no. I'm not. This is we're ending up with the fourth one. So this is gonna be it. <laughs> that was three. This is gonna be the it. Okay. All right, never mind. A seaweed pie? What is a what, seaweed what, pie? What kind of pie generator is this? All right. We've had one. We'll do uh, it next week. Yeah, this we've had not... we've had one uh, request for peach, uh, which I'm cool. I, I've never made a peach pie, um, but you know we can. I'm do looking some... up seaweed pie just because I'm. Uh... What if it's a marshmallow pie? You know, like you've never heard of a marshmallow pie. It's like marshmallow fluff, and then it's like the top. It I think it's like chocolate mousse, and then Ooh. you marshmallow the top, and then you like bake it so it's like crispy on the top, like a roasted marshmallow. Okay, but he talked him into it. Now he's like. I mean, I I love that, but like that seems more like a chocolate pie than a, you know, the marshmallow. The marshmallow would be like the topping, not like the main. You know, that's the if your chocolate's like the filling, that's that you got to talk about the filling, not like the topping on it. But I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, but we still got to do the bake off. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, anything else, Chris? Before we go, I don't really have anything. I think a seaweed pie. Might be made of Irish moss. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if that's like international pie, you're gonna get like mince meat and all kinds of stuff. Like you know, we want to bake. We want to like make a pie. It looks like, like a cheesecake. Like a shepherd's pie is not like what we're looking for right now. So uh, that's not really baking. So that that's the only the only thing I have value to. Yours is like a European pie generator. Okay, wait. It's Graham. No, wait. It's dry Irish moss, milk, sugar, and vanilla. What's Irish moss? I don't know. Don't make me go through another rabbit hole. I don't want to do that. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap things up uh, here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, yeah, we're on Portal Watch. Watching out for those emojis, those fight on emojis to see what's going on with those. Um, but yeah, stick with USCFootball.com. Tons of stuff going up. Uh, we'll be doing more updates on recruiting and the transfer portal and scholarships and all of that. So signing off uh, from my buddy over there, uh, Chris Trevino. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. 
Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. MTV's official Challenge Podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.